revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business in the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage, transforming the way people think and work so their organizations can thrive. I'm Ed Kless with my friend and co-host, Ron Baker. And on today's show, folks, we are pleased and privileged to have with us on our interview with Dr. Keith Smith. How's it going, Ron? Great, Ed. I'm really looking forward to this show. Absolutely. In fact, I was thinking as I was reading the introduction that you know, we've ju- we just changed the the intro because uh, we have an updated uh, mission statement at Sage to transforming the way people think so their organizations can thrive and how important it is that the interview that we're doing today is really transforming the way people think about healthcare so that they can thrive. And uh, it's it's great to have with us Dr. Keith Smith, who is the co-founder of the Surgery Center of Oklahoma, and also the Free Market Medical Association. We'll talk to him both about those two things, but quick bio before I bring him on. Dr. G. Keith Smith is a board-certified anesthesiologist in private practice since 1990. SCO is owned by over 50 of the top physicians and surgeons in central Oklahoma, and Dr. Smith serves as the medical director, CEO, and managing partner while maintaining an active anesthesiology practice. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Dr. Keith Smith. Thanks for having me. Well, first, uh, Dr. Smith, if you wouldn't mind, share the, the origin story of the, the Surgery Center of Oklahoma. It's, we have lots of surgery centers, but yours is different, isn't it? Yeah, we uh, another anesthesiologist uh, and I, Dr. Steve Lantier, uh, had been in private practice, uh, practicing you know, just the regular hospitals like everybody else, um, and, and lived through and saw uh, the disaster of the effect of, um, of what the Clintons had in mind for healthcare and uh, for the country in general. Managed care really was, uh, was a manifestation of their dream. Uh, and we began the effect that that had on, on patients, on our ability as physicians to secure what we needed to do our jobs properly. Uh, we also saw that it was making the big box hospitals a lot of money uh, at, the, at the same time, ratcheting back uh, physician fees, uh, it, it just it wasn't a it wasn't a situation we were very happy with. And um, as I've told a lot of people in the old days, uh, before this nightmare of electronic medical records, you could you could go to the medical records department and there would be a paper chart. And on the right side, when you opened it up, was all of the patient's clinical information. On the left side was all the financial information. So you could actually see. Uh, the assassination uh, of the patient, uh, you know, on the left side, you could look at it, you could see how much they were charged and it was, it was horrible. So we, we really began to feel more and more like we were accomplices uh, to a crime, uh, accessories to a crime working in the hospitals. And we realized there was no way we would ever um, be in a situation otherwise, unless we had control of the institution of the actual facility. So uh, after seven years, we walked out and started Surgery Center of Oklahoma. Um, we we decided that we would we would just provide nothing but the highest quality care, and that meant 
know, if we couldn't find a surgeon who was world-class um, or a staff that could accommodate us that was world-class, there were certain procedures that we just wouldn't provide. And we wouldn't do it unless we knew uh, we were going to be the best anywhere around at it. We also decided we would be honest with patients about uh, what we were going to charge them. Uh, at the time, we were filing insurance claims. And so the, you know, the magic number, you know, what do you owe us was the patient's, you know, deductible and copay, you know, whatever outside of insurance that they own, uh, that they owed us. But, but what we found many times was we were quoting prices that were less uh, for the entire charge for our facility uh, and the surgeon and the anesthesia bill than their entire deductible. So, you know, a patient had a deductible and found that for, for cash, they could actually buy the procedure cheaper than they could use their insurance. So we began to learn from a very early day, uh, you know, what, how the system worked and, and how little we could actually charge and still be profitable. Uh, we had hoped to serve people who uh, had been run off by what we knew were really uh, bankrupting charges by hospitals. And, and early on, we had patients calling without insurance at all. And they would ask us how much, you know, for a breast biopsy, how much for a hernia repair, how much, you know, for this or that. And so we began to construct uh, these, you know, cash out the door bundles is what I call them, uh, where the patient says, you know, ask us how much is this? And we give them an answer and they pay us at the front desk, and then that's it. They never receive another bill. So we began to create this list, uh, all the while fascinated and really astonished and puzzled that none of the insurance companies uh, wanted to work with us. They still don't. Uh, and now that we know what we know, we don't want to work with them. So this, this uh, list was populated, uh, and we, we still managed to file insurance claims uh, as a rogue sort of out-of-network uh, provider at the, sur at the surgery center, but never price-gouging patients. Well, the hospitals and the insurance companies weren't very happy about this because the whole purpose of managed care and these PPOs is to direct uh, this care to their pals. I mean, it, it basically works like a, like a cartel. I tell people, the only difference between the current health cartel in the United States and a Mexican drug cartel is the Mexican drug cartel actually delivers a service that people value. So <laughs> we have these, you know, we had these PPOs that were trying to keep patients away from us and it wasn't working. Patients were continuing to come see us because our charges uh, were less than their deductible. And, and then they, they stumbled, the insurance companies, and the hospitals stumbled on a, on the formula that finally hit us hard and they started stacking deductibles. Uh, and that meant that, that a patient uh, could meet their out of network deductible, but if they went to an out of network facility like ours, they started over at zero. They didn't start at 2,501 $2, or 3,001, they started at zero. So a lot of the patients that had used their insurance to come see us uh, and pay us out of pocket a fair fee, they vaporized. I mean, we just never saw them again. And it was really almost an act of self-defense and and self and really of defiance. Uh, when I decided, you know, we're just going to put all these prices online. We 
we want to make ourselves more known to the patients that have sticker shock, you know, the uninsured, the high deductible, health savings account, you know, patients, uh, beneficiaries of self-funded insurance plans. So we, we want them to know, you know, here we are and here's what we do. We also wanted to start a price war. And I, I just had a feeling as a fan of the free market that if we said a knee arthroscopy at our facility all in was $3,740, that someone charging $37,000 would probably lose that business to us or uh, particularly if they claim not-for-profit status, they would have a lot of explaining to do uh, for such a high fee. And, and then the other goal I had was was really to better understand the scams that are operational. I I knew that as a you know for market, if you're cheaper and better, we ought to have a line out the door. And we were really suffering, uh, not really uh, gaining any access to patients at all. And I knew that something was wrong and we wanted to better understand, you know, what is going on really that interferes with the, with the market in this industry. And I would argue that all three of our goals have been achieved. Uh, there are patients that print out our price list and plop it down on the desk of the hospital and say, match this or I'm flying to Oklahoma city. Uh, and those prices are matched regularly. Uh, and we have patients that, um, they do that all the time, and they'll email me. So in a way, that's a, that's a price war. We had uh, you know, one of the most vicious competitors is a big hospital system here locally, and they actually launched a website that had pricing. And I was looking at it, but, well, these prices are oddly familiar numbers to me. And as I looked at them, I realized they were exactly our prices. But there were asterisks at the bottom of the page that indicated all of the things that were actually not included in that price. So not really our price. Uh, and then, and then I, we've, we've really begun to understand, uh, I think more how the insurance companies and the hospitals uh, work together to make sure uh, that, that care is expensive and gets more expensive every year uh, and how uh, they've been enabled uh, by the federal government, uh, and, and basically um, all of these favors that these uh, industry cronies cash in on, are they're all uh, the result of an auction in Washington, D.C., where, where these favors have been sold to the industry. So that, that's kind of our story. We're, um, we're seeing patients from all 50 states, several foreign countries. Uh, last week, I saw uh, my first patient was from Cameroon. Uh, on Thursday morning of last week. The second patient was from Cuba. Uh, third patient was from Nashville. Fourth patient was from Dallas. The next three patients were from the Dallas area. Uh, and it was it was about 9.30 in the morning on a really busy day before I saw the first patient that actually lived in Oklahoma. So we're, there's a lot of medical tourism going on. People are traveling uh, to secure reasonably priced care. And the Surgery Center of Oklahoma is just one of those uh, sort of destination facilities uh, that people patronize. It's been it's been a lot of fun. I feel very vindicated. I believe the uh, the market's uh, power and discipline has been demonstrated by the model uh, that we promoted our facility. I've always thought that the market um, was at work, and the market is thwarted at times. Uh, but we 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 believe in it and think uh, you know this industry should have to should have to obey the same discipline that the market doles out to every other industry 
uh, and are encouraging others and helping others, actually helping our competitors uh, follow this model. Well, and I'm, I'm glad that you, you said that you feel vindicated you should, because I have felt since I've read about your story and listened to w some of the, the videos that you put up on your site and that, that you are living proof that this whole system is nothing but smoke and mirrors and a sham that's been perpetrated on on the American people. And we're, we're, we're really honored to have you. We are unfortunately against our first commercial break. And we want to remind you that you can get a hold of Ron or me by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Of course, the website is The Soul of Enterprise, where you can get previews to upcoming shows, as well as see our show notes from all previous episodes that we've done. And of course, our Patreon site, where you can listen to commercial-free episodes, as well as to our bonus episodes. But right now, a word from our sponsor. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. Have you ever listened to an advertisement for a book so many times that you question the existence of God? Me too. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I recorded the advertisement for Ron and Ed's book, The Soul of Enterprise Dialogues on Blah 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 Whatever, and four years later, we're all tired of it, especially me. But thankfully, there's a solution. For just $10 a month, you never have to hear my voice again. For a commercial-free version of The Soul of Enterprise, go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe now. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're here with Dr. Keith Smith, the co-founder of the Surgery Center of Oklahoma. Dr. Smith, I just want to kind of back up to 1977 for a minute and talk about the Bates case which went all the way to the Supreme Court. And it was a law firm in, Oklahoma, in uh, Arizona that published prices. And of course, the consumers didn't complain. All the other lawyers complained and brought this lawsuit. And they got the Bar Association to issue a cease and desist. I've got to imagine that <laughs> you've drawn arrows from people that don't like the fact that prices are just right there on your website front and center by procedure. Yeah. Yeah, we have. I mean, my wife and I um, were on many long walks where we talked about, and I think justifiably the risks 
uh, what I had in mind. Uh, and, but I, you know, I would do it again. I, I think oftentimes about that saying that, uh, you know, Gandhi said, you know, first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. <laughs> and that's been our experience. I mean, when we put the prices online, I mean, no one said a word. Uh, and, and that was actually their strategy, I think, was to act like, you know, we weren't going to be around very long. Right. And I think some of the local industry folks knew the Surgery Center of Oklahoma was, uh, you know, not having much patient volume and was probably in trouble uh, 10 years ago when we put these prices online. They kind of hope we'd go away. Uh, and then they then they laughed at us and they made fun of it. Uh, and then I noticed they launched their own websites. People would copy my website uh, and, you know, put it up like it was their own. And that's when I knew, okay. This is going to work. This is really going to shake some trees. Um, there were people who asked my permission to copy our website, uh, which I granted without exception. There was only one outfit that copied my website exactly and did not ask me, and it was UCLA. Mm. And I thought that was interesting. Uh, and they didn't do that because they're really good people, and they really are looking out for their for the patient's pocketbook, they did that because at the time we'd had a stream of patients from Southern California fly to Oklahoma to have surgery at our place. So it was the market at work. But if you uh, if you do an internet search for uh, cash pricing UCLA, uh, you'll find a website that is uh, it's mine. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't <laughs> look like mine. It's word for word uh, <laughs> website, and I love making fun of them because they didn't ask. If they'd ask, I would have, I would have connected them to web designers. But yeah, it's the market at work. Wow, that, you know, I love it because on your website you have the outline of the human body, and you got circles on it, and you can kind of roll over uh, the the part of your body that needs uh, some type of procedure, and then it posts a price. I have to tell you really quick, my dad had has had two hip replacement surgeries. And on the first one, I, I went with him to the doctor's appointment where the doctor was explaining what was going to happen, what was it going to put in there, the physical recovery and all, and all those types of things. And he looked at me and he said, do you have any questions? And I said, yeah, I've got two. One is this hip thing, genetic. And, and two, <laughs> how much is it going to cost my dad for this? And he looked at me, Dr. Smith, like I just asked him the weirdest question. And then you start fumbling with this paper saying, well, your dad's got insurance, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I said, yeah, but right. how much is this going to cost? And on your website, I'm looking at it right now. It's $15,499 for a complete hip replacement. And that's just amazing um, that you have prices for everything and it's all in, isn't it? It, it is. And um for all of the people who say, well, you know, the hospitals uh, can't do this. You know, you, you surgery centers, you know, that just do a limited number of procedures. You know, this is easy for you, but hospitals can't do it. I'd encourage you to look at another website, uh, two other websites, actually. One is called atlasbillingcompany.com. That's actually a clearinghouse uh, that I run where I actually facilitate the payment of procedures, not only here at the surgery center, but at hospitals. Mm -hmm. So there are hospitals that are wanting to get into this game, but they want to stay cloaked uh, because they're afraid of the insurance carriers. So you'll see prices listed on this atlasbillingcompany.com for procedures that are obviously done 
on an inpatient basis. Uh, but those are bundled all in, you know, everything is in prices uh, for uh, surgical cases on that website. The other website people should look at is the Free Market Medical Association, fmma.org. And there's a tab there, Shop Health. And all of the prices for uh, everybody in the country that has followed our lead, all of those prices are there for all those facilities. So, you know, and there's imaging, green imaging has got uh, prices online. There are more and more places where you can actually find real pricing information. Right. You know, I, I bet you get the question all the time. How, how can you guys do it so cheaply? But that's the, <laughs> that, that's the wrong question, isn't that's it? Right. It's really, why are the others charging so much for this? That's right. And, and in the beginning, that was the question we got, you know, how can you be so cheap? Now, the right question is being asked, as you pointed out, and you know, the, the not-for-profit, so-called not-for-profit hospital that charges 10 times what we do across town from us, patients are asking them, you know, why are you 10 times? You know, or what, what's wrong with you? I tell people it's hard work not making a profit. You know, <laughs> they're just making a ton of money. And, and one of the answers to why our prices are so reasonable is that what you see online is what we believe it costs to render that care. What hospitals charge, uh, they charge so much because they're out busy, you know, buying physician practices, buying out competitors. Uh, many times they'll buy a local surgery center and just close it. Uh, and they're buying, you know, expensive print and television ads. Uh, you look at the, watch the Super Bowl this year, half the ads will be health care. You know, there'll be some big insurance carrier or big hospital system. Uh, you know, where do they get that money? Well, they, they get that money from charging multiples of what we do. So what we have online, I think, is a manifestation of what it actually costs to provide care and not the other part where you're trying to build an empire. You know, we free market types have been saying for, I don't know, decade or more that if you look at the areas where people spend their own money on themselves with health care, like plastic surgery, LASIK surgery, even veterinarian medicine prices haven't been increasing anywhere near the level in, as in general healthcare. And you kind of proved that you haven't raised prices in 20 years. Is, is that right? Yeah, that, that's right. The prices uh, that I talked about in the beginning that we developed into this list are the same prices uh, that we have listed online. So, all of the prices on our website are exactly the same as what we quoted over the phone in 1997 with about half a dozen exceptions, uh, all of which are lower. So as, as vendors began to offer us better prices on some of the materials required to complete these surgeries, I've extended that uh, to the patients and it makes us more competitive. So, uh, yeah, all the prices are the same except for the handful that I've lowered. And and here's the fascinating thing to me, Dr. Keith, that, or Dr. Smith, uh, that your surgeons make more than they would for a similar procedure at any other facility. That That's exactly right. So the the truth is that the vast majority of the price gouging uh, that's present in this industry is performed by the institution. So the hospitals are, are very revenue focused uh, and they, you know, they're trying to maximize revenue 
and that's manifest in the huge hospital bills. Physician fees, with a few exceptions, physician fees tend to be very reasonable, and they're actually flat over the last 20 years. Physician fees, surgeon fees have not gone up any at all. In, I mean, very little, if, if any at all. The hospitals are where the just outrageous price gouging is going, and that's where that's what Dr. Lonte and I understood is if we don't have control of the facility, we can't do anything about this. We we can't help a patient with their hospital bill unless we own the facility. So what we've done is reduce the the institutional charge to a very slight marginal profit. And then so we you know we time and materials really for all these surgeries. And then we pay the surgeons a very healthy, very fat fee. I mean, they're the ones doing the work, and everybody's happy. Uh, you know, the facility makes a little bit of money, but not much, uh, enough to cover costs plus a very small amount, uh, but the surgeons are paid handsomely. So, you know, when I call a surgeon who, you know, he's the Olympic, uh, he's the Olympic orthopedist for the U.S. cycling team, now, if I call him and say, hey, I've got a guy, you know, that tore his meniscus who lives in Albuquerque, like I did yesterday, I called him and he said, well, how fast can he get over here? I'll get him in now. And, and part of the reason for that is who this surgeon is. I mean, he's just like that. The other reason is that's the best paying business he'll have uh, for, I mean, anytime I call him, he knows it's going to be a very savvy, uh, informed patient that has uh, price compared. And they know what they're getting into, and it's just wonderful to take care of patients that that are that are like that. You know, and you make another really interesting point that, yeah, your prices may be perceived to be low, which puts an even brighter spotlight on the quality because the prices are so low. Because that's one of the ways a lot of consumers judge quality is is through price. How do you convey the quality of the SCO is it is it through the publication of your metrics like infections were zero I think in in one of the prior years and right. there's, prob- there's probably other metrics are you are you able to get patients over that quality issue like why should I trust you because I don't really know you you're in Oklahoma and you know I'm a Canadian resident or whatever yeah I'll, I'll answer that in a couple ways um, you know you get what you pay for is is oftentimes operational uh, in a market, uh, but the health healthcare industry is so dysfunctional uh, that get what you pay for is really not operational. Uh, high prices just mean there's not much competition going on. Uh, lower prices mean somebody's in there mixing it up, and there is competition. and And wherever there's competition, the quality is higher. If you're in an area where prices are really high, like Wisconsin or Alaska, there's not much competition. And those people don't have to be good at what they do in order to continue to receive referrals. Keep keep in mind, we don't have any insurance contracts. So our waiting room has patients in the waiting room because they want to be there. We, we don't have, you know, we're, we're in some network. And so patients are going to fill our waiting room, you know, whether we're any good at what we do or not. If we're not good at what we do, our waiting room is empty and we go out of business. So the, the other way I'll answer that is that patients patients have connected the dots between honesty and quality. 
I've had several patients tell me that that because we have said, here is what we do and here's how much it is, that they figured we had to be good at what we did in order to say that. And that was all they needed to know. So that that's really how I answer uh, the quality uh, argument. And and my gosh, I mean, look at any health facilities Facebook reviews or social media reviews, and ours ours are just astonishingly positive. You have to really search to find one uh, from a patient that you know we've sliced open that is not tickled i mean just loved being here and i think you know it's not easy to pull that off but we've done that yeah no it's you know it's a great example of the importance of reputation over regulation and and how powerful that is in a free market and that's what brands are all about and everything but well, this is just great. Well, Dr. Smith, unfortunately, we're up against our next break. And folks, we'd like to remind you, if you want to get a hold of Ed or myself, you can send us an email to ask TSOE at verisage.com. Please go out to Apple Podcasts, give us a review. We'll read it on the air, good, bad, or indifferent. And now we want to hear from our sponsors. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever listened to an online radio show that changed your life? I'm required to say that I have. Have you ever stopped listening to an online radio show because the commercials were mind-numbingly repetitive? Of course you haven't because you're here right now. Look, you don't have to listen to me anymore. There's a commercial-free version of this show, and it only costs $10 a month. And for $15 a month, you get no commercials plus bonus content. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE, subscribe now, and be free. You're worth it. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And yes, we are back on the Soul of Enterprise with Dr. Keith, Keith Smith. And um, I wanted to ask you, you, you mentioned in your podcast with Russ Roberts, and this is a passing part of the conversation that I wanted to explore, that you have about 300 companies that engage with you in, in kind of a self-insurance. Can, can you talk a little bit about that and how uh, are these small companies, large companies, a mix, mixture? Wh- who, who is engaging with you in this self-insurance? Yeah, well, self-insured companies... Uh, tend to be larger companies with a lot of employees, but since the passage of the Unaffordable Care Act, 
the number of employees that can justify self-insurance has dropped remarkably. Uh, so the companies that we deal with that are self-funded range from uh, 30 employees to uh, 500,000 employees or members. So large groups, and our prices are the same for all of them. I mean, my the price for a member of an 80,000 life group that's self-funded, my price for them is the same as it is for an individual. Um, so what, what companies typically have discovered is that if uh, one of their, uh, and I guess, let me explain self-funding for a second. So self-funding is when a company decides to pay for the employee's medical services out of operational revenue rather than buy insurance. So the company is actually taking risk and they buy a catastrophic you know, safety net, it's called a stop loss policy that you know, protects them for, from huge losses, but uh, typically they just pay as they go. So if an employee has a hernia repair or whatever, a heart attack and needs a you know, bypass surgery or a stent, the company actually writes a check to pay for that rather than file an insurance claim Many times they'll hire a company to administer that for them, uh, but that's how self-insurance works. So self-companies have the same shock that individuals do, and so it's no mystery that they love what we are doing and anybody that's doing anything like what we're doing. So, you know, uh, the spread on between what we do and a typical not-for-profit hospital is about six to ten to one. So our price times six or our price times 10 is typically um, the, uh, the liability that a self-funded uh, health plan would face for the very same procedure. So we, we were contacted by a fellow named Jay Kempton and, you know, he's just a great guy. He runs the Kempton group, which is a, a third party administrator, which administered self-funded health plans. And, he told his all of his competitors about us. He was so excited. And so companies will fly or pay all the travel expenses for their employees to come to my facility or, or a facility like mine that's near them, uh, pay all of the all of the expense of the surgery, pay all the travel costs. Uh, some will even pay them uh, pay the employees a per diem uh, for incidental expenses. Uh, and so that that's the arrangement, you know, so this no out-of-pocket uh, surgery experience is a very uh, powerful uh, redirector. So, you know, somebody in Dallas, for instance, to go to the local hospital and have their hernia repaired, they're going to have to meet their deductible and pay their copay. And all that together is going to be more than my entire fee. And their employer reaches out to me and says, hey, can I access your website pricing for the benefit of our employees and I say yes always and so they tell this employee if you'll go to Oklahoma City and have the surgery you'll have no out-of-pocket uh, and so you know December is my favorite time of year because we have we have um, contracts with companies whose employees are not people anyone on this call would characterize as highly compensated and they'll show up and they'll have their, you know, their child with them. And they'll say, you know, he's, he's having his tonsils out today. Um, and we're going to get to have Christmas, you know, before, 
you know, we were scrounging up all of our money to, you know, do our, you know, meet our deductible and copay obligations. You know, there was not, not going to be a Christmas this year if he had his tonsils out. So those are the kind of things that happen with these arrangements. And it's just transforming uh, for the employees. Uh, it uh, saves the health plan uh, countless dollars, which make make more revenue available in a company for um for better compensation for the employees, for even better benefits. So it, we, we have contracts in all 50 states uh, with, with employers now. Wow. D- do you fear that, that the, the government intervention might come along someday and make what you do illegal? Oh, I don't, I don't know. I suppose it could. Um, the One of the first uh, – one of the first pushbacks the federal government would receive would be from uh, Oklahoma County. Uh, we actually have a contract with the largest uh, county in the state of Oklahoma, and they saved about three and a half million dollars their first year uh, with 1,100 lives. And so they they would have to face the sheriff uh, here in Oklahoma City if they did that, as they they really don't want to pay these price gouging fees to to the hospitals. I also feel more comfortable uh, than I have in the past because there really is a national conversation that's going on right now, uh, thanks to the efforts um, of my friend Marty McCary, who's a pancreas surgeon from Johns Hopkins. Uh, and, and and it really is going on at the White House too. But there there is an active national conversation about price transparency and how people ought to know what they're going to have to pay uh, before they undergo a procedure. And so uh, any, any sort of Leviathan, you know, heavy handed uh, move from the federal government uh, to, to make posting prices uh, a crime. Uh, I think it's more unlikely now than it's ever been. I'll say that. Or, or just a, a, a full, full-on single-payer system that gets passed by Congress that says that you can't, you know, pay, pay for insurance or you can't pay for medical care unless it's through a, a federal government subsidy. Yeah, you know, every tree where there is a single-payer system, uh, all the people have first been disarmed. You know, I, <laughs> I've thought about that the other day. There's just no way. I think that they could implement that. Uh, and then tell uh, tell someone that you know your child can't have their tonsils out for three years, like they tell them in Canada. Uh, they're they're just not going to tell people that without a lot of fear. Uh, that that's just not something I think the the impatient American uh, who is armed. I just don't think they're going to tolerate that. They would have to disarm all of us. So I've <laughs> I've told people you know once they take everybody's weapons away then you might see single payer <laughs> but i don't i don't know i just don't i don't see it coming yeah yeah so one of the things that that has crossed my mind since discovering what you and others have been done direct primary care as well is is to ask this question do americans really pay the most for healthcare, or is it all of this this shadow of you know six to ten times what you guys get paid is what appears on on some explanation of benefits that doesn't doesn't really get paid as there's like a deal with the hospital and then they lower it and all of this stuff. So do we really pay the most for our healthcare? 
Yeah, I think I think Americans pay far too much. But I think the more basic market question is is how much is too much? You know, who is to decide what is the right amount? And unless the market is at work and the allocation of scarce resources uh, is not meted out using normal market discipline, I think how much we ought to be paying for care is still a big mystery. Uh, I think that the free market will do what it always does if it's allowed to work. It will mash prices down remarkably, uh, simultaneously increasing quality. And, I, and if what we've done here is any judge, then and yeah, I mean, for procedures, we're paying six to 10 times more than we should. Uh, and that, and if we let the market work, the prices would fall and access would pick up. Right. But we're really not even paying that, right? That's just the, the, some number that appears on an exp explanation of benefits someplace. I think we are paying far, far too much. Uh, far too I much anyway. That, yeah. Yeah. I think anyway. Uh, and again, the culprit is the federal government. You know, the insurance companies and the hospitals deserve all the bashing they get, but all of all of what's happening is downstream of favors uh, that the that Uncle Sam has sold to these cronies and, and auctioned off, frankly. Uh, so, you know, the idea that we should throw the entire system to the ultimate culprit and and let them take over, uh, I think ever it'll it'll look exactly like you know the. Uh, like you would forecast knowing what you know. Yeah. Well, I, ha I have time for probably one more question here, about a minute or so left. Uh, do you think your model could be, uh, for lack of a better word, Uberized? Where there could be an app that would connect people who need these surgeries with physicians? Oh, absolutely. And and there are some uh, apps like that that are that are in development. So I think you're going to see that. Uh, you know, Shop Health is a little bit like that. You can go to FMMA's website, go to Shop Health, you know, put in your zip code and acceptable travel distance. You want a rotator cuff repair, you're going to find a list of places uh, ranking uh, from the distance traveled or the price, however you want to see it. So, yeah, I think uh, some semblance of that is already here and it will just continue to grow. And and say that website again. I, I don't know whether you broke up for me or for for the the whole audience. What was the, what was the name of that again? It's the Free Market Medical Association FMMA dot org, uh, and there's a tab there called Shop Health. Shop and, Health, and that that's worth checking out. It's, that's that's I think a window into the kind of Uberization that you that you might see going forward. Outstanding. Well, this is my last segment with you. Ron's going to pick it up and take you home. And I just want to thank you on behalf of the Soul of Enterprise for appearing with us today. want to remind the, those of you listening with us that you can get a hold of Ron or me by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Of course, hashtag asktsoe if you want to participate in the Twitter conversation that's happening right now. But right now, a word from our sponsor and my employer, Sage. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. 
These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever been so annoyed by a commercial for a $5 ebook that you were willing to pay $10 to never hear it again? I sure have. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. Over the last several years, you've come to hate me, and I hate me too. By now, you know that for $5, you can get a copy of Ron and Ed's book. What you might not know is, for twice that much every month for forever, you can stop hearing me plug Ron and Ed's book, which totally makes sense, like the Diamond Water Paradox. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe today. Please, for the love of God, make it stop! When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Dr. Key Smith, the co-founder of the Surgery Center of Oklahoma. And Dr. Smith, you said something on the Econ Talk episode with Russ Roberts that really, really was great. You said, if something doesn't go well, we don't make more money. (laughs) And it, it, it struck me, you know, we talk a lot about service guarantees. Great companies have great service guarantees. FedEx, you know, absolutely positively overnight. Nordstrom, L.L. Bean. And wow, how explain how you do handle when there are mistakes make, I mean, you know, to err is human. This is a human endeavor. Um, how do you handle surgeon errors? Well, I'll, I'll tell you first where like where that came from. I was giving a talk and there was a hospital administrator in the room and was very disturbed by everything I had to say. <laughs> I bet. And she, she lost her cool. <laughs> and she kind of scream questioned, uh, you know, how – how do you show quality? How do your surgeons demonstrate quality? And that's how I answered it. I said, unlike you, I make no more money if something goes wrong. <laughs> and that that's where that came from. And that's kind of a more complete answer to your question about quality earlier. But, you know, we, we treat patients as individuals and we treat all of these uh, circumstances individually. So, we we have to we have to determine to what extent if something does go wrong we contributed there are, there are things that go wrong to which we don't contribute at all i mean you can do everything right and you can have you can have a bad outcome you can have an infection so that uh, what we're driven by is is this model and that's to continue uh, to produce value uh, and and there really are two models. I mean, there's a model in this industry, unfortunately, that predominates that is about maximizing revenue. Uh, the model that we champion is maximizing delivery of value. 
And that that is all through the process, including if something goes wrong. And, you know, the example I, I tell people, we had a patient that was overweight and smoked and diabetic and they had a bunion surgery and they got they got a superficial wound infection. And I called the employer and said, you know, this is very high risk. Um, but here's what I'm going to suggest. The surgeon is going to waive his fees to handle this. As an anesthesiologist, I'm going to waive my fee. And on the surgery center side, what I'd like for you to do is meet me halfway and just cover the cost of the supplies required. And this employer said, you need to have more infections. <laughs> and I've told the story many times. And it just took me it just took me completely by surprise. He said, you know, he said, you talk all the time about delivering just shocking, obscene value. And he said, you, you could not have demonstrated it in a more powerful way than what you just said. So yeah. we, we don't have it. We don't have guarantees written down anywhere because frankly, there, there remains uncertainty uh, when someone's having surgery and we can do everything right and, and can still have a bad outcome. So when, when that's the case, we just try to figure out, you know, what, what is mutually beneficial going forward? So our, our guide is to make sure throughout the process that whatever happens, that the feeling that we have and the feeling that the buyer has remains mutually beneficial. And, and that's what I mean when I say we don't make more money, you know, if something goes wrong, we, at, at the most, we're going to ask somebody to, you know, just pay the cost of the supplies and then we'll donate our time. And, and that's typically how we handle it. That's such a great story. And it does prove that when you take care of a customer, a complaint or whatever, and you exceed their expectation, you, you actually build a, you, you develop a customer for life with that. So the comment about you should do this more often, <laughs> I totally get that. Uh, you also gave another example of a guy who had a hernia operation and then went back to work and did something, you know, started lifting probably before he was supposed to and destroyed the repair. And, and you guys, both the surgeon and you waived your fee and just charged him the cost of the materials. That's right. And I, I know it's a case by case basis, but I got to believe that that guy was just so blown away that if he ever needs surgery again, he's only going to think of one place. Yeah. And, and that was a that was a situation where again very individual this guy had scrimped and saved once he found out that we were in existence and that we were for real and that we weren't lying <laughs> you know he he scrounged up the three thousand sixty dollars to have his hernia repair and then you know he had to go back to work he was not someone who could take a lot of time off and still put groceries on the table but in doing so, he ruined his repair, and we we felt sorry for him and said, "Listen, you know, if you'll just if you just cover the cost of the supplies and the supplies for what we needed to do for him was less than three hundred dollars, and we just redid the whole thing and donated our time. Uh, but we we reserved the right to be charitable. We think charity is a big part of making sure that you know people who are in a tight place can get what they need. Uh, we don't we don't charge exorbitant amounts and then tell the community, you know, we gave, you know, $25 million of uncompensated care to the community uh, this, this month. And so we shouldn't have to pay any tax. I mean, that's a whole different kind of game. We just don't play that game. The, the charity that we render here, I think is real. 
and, and it's not always charitable down to zero. Sometimes it's charitable down to, hey, you know, we, we're going to waive all of this, you know, meet us halfway, pay the costs of supplies. And that still is, to some extent, I would argue charitable. Sure. No, absolutely. I love, I love stories like that because it, it puts the relationship at the center and it, it, it kind of ignores the math of the moment that every, oh, so many businesses seem to be focused on and not taking into account that lifetime relationship value. You also said something that just blew my mind that when a surgeon gets into the body and sees an, an issue maybe that they have to do additional work for, and then I think one asked you, well, you're going to go talk to the family, right, and ask for more money, and you said, no, I'm thinking I'm going to cut your fee. That's right. <laughs> you actually cut the surgeon's fee if they, I mean, you blame it on them misdiagnosing. Is that how That's it works? absolutely right. I mean, get it right. Come on. And <laughs> And next time, I bet you make you make you know more of an effort to make sure you do get it right. Um, but yeah, we will have uh, si that situation doesn't happen very often. But when it does, the very last thing I'm going to do is is ask the patient for more money after the surgery. That's the ultimate bait and switch, and that that's the point where someone is uh, more vulnerable maybe than they've ever been in their whole life. And I mean, oh my gosh, how awful to you know, say, Hey, I need more money, you know, to do the right thing. Oh my gosh. I mean, how do you <laughs> sleep at night if you ever did that? So right. now I just tell the surgeon, well, no, I mean, we're going to, we're going to do the right thing. And, and if, you know, we have real cost overruns here, then, you know, it's on you. Right. That's fantastic. You, you know, Dr. Smith, we only have about a minute before we got to go, but, uh, I, and this is an unfair question, but what about the poor? that can't afford even your low prices. And, and I love what you say as you know, at current prices, we're all poor. But yeah. how do you, but I love that. How, how do you answer that question? What about and the I, poor? I have to give credit where it's due. That's Dr. Lantier's quote. Um, that's wonderful. He, he said that one day in the office, he said, you know, at current prices, we're all poor. I thought, yeah, that's exactly right. Um, yeah. I mean, we have to be very careful, and I think I mentioned this on on Russ's show, not to consider the poor uh, in the aggregate. Uh, they need to be and deserve to be considered as individuals. Right. And there are some people who can pay the cost of the supplies. There are some people who can pay the cost of the supplies and a little more. And I'm here to tell you the cost of the supplies is not that much. Mm -hmm. uh, there are some people who cannot afford the cost of the supplies. But I'm also here to tell you that if the market rules, the price of everything is going to drop significantly, maybe 50%. And sure. so however someone is defined as poor, there will be a whole lot more, a whole lot fewer poor people if prices drop by 50%. So right. however whatever the magnitude of the problem of the poor, the first thing to do is to make sure we have fewer of them. And that is by mashing prices uh, as low as they can go. And the only way to do that uh, really is the market. If the government does it with price controls, you just have rationing. Right. So Unfortunately, that, that, Dr. Smith, we have to jump, but th this okay. has been wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on the Soul of Enterprise. And for our Patreon listeners, you're going to have a treat because we're going to hold Dr. Smith over to our bonus show. But Ed, what do we have coming up next week? 
Next week, Ron, is Free Rider Friday. Excellent. I'll see you in 167 hours. This has been the Soul of Enterprise, Business in the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage, transforming the way people think and work so their organizations can thrive. Join us next week on Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern. That's 1 p.m. Pacific. In the meantime, please feel free to visit us at www.thesoulofenterprise.com.